Hey, it's Matt Bowles. If you want to hang out with me in person, I'm going to be at the Latino Travel Fest in Elizabeth, New Jersey, May 31st to June 2nd. And I've got a 15% discount for you to join me. Just go to themaverickshow.com slash Latino. That's L-A-T-I-N-O. There you're going to see your 15% discounted ticket. There are going to be multiple guests from The Maverick Show attending, so you'll be able to hang out with all of us in person. You do not need to be Latino in order to attend Everyone is welcome. Again, get your discounted ticket at themaverickshow.com slash Latino. And as soon as you do, send me a DM on Instagram at Matt Bowles Maverick. Let me know that you're coming so that we can make plans to link up in person. And now here's a clip of what's coming up on today's episode. That trip changed my life. It was, it was nearly three months and I went to eight different countries and truly lived, I would say, for the first time. I got to have relationships with people in ways that I never, ever, ever had to the depths that I never, ever was able to have with complete strangers. And it just opened my eyes to something completely amazing. And then I had to come home and figure out how am I going to reshape my life, right? You have to say goodbye. You're breaking up, if you will, essentially. You're breaking up with the life you once knew for the life that you want to have. Today's most interesting real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and world travelers. And learn the strategies and tactics they use to succeed. And now, here's your host, Matt Bowles. Hey, everybody, it's Matt Bowles. Welcome to the Maverick Show. My guest today is Kimberly Kohler. She is a location independent entrepreneur, real estate investor, dating coach, world traveler, and co-owner of Nomad Soulmates, the world's largest community of single nomads, which has been featured in Fast Company, Forbes, and many other publications. Over the last 15 years, she has coached over 3,000 people through her online dating programs and her one-on-one coaching program, and she has hosted over 100 dating events. She is now focusing her dating expertise on the digital nomad niche and preparing to launch the Nomad Soulmates dating app later in 2021. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. I am so excited to have you here. We should just start off by setting the scene. We have agreed to do this as a wine night. So let's start off by talking about where we are and what it is that we are drinking. I am actually based in Asheville, North Carolina, in the Blue Ridge Mountains on the east coast of the United States. And I have just opened a bottle of Grenache from Spain. This is from the Madrid region of Spain, and it is a really nice bottle, in fact. Where are you tonight, and what are you drinking? I am in lovely Minnesota, just off the St. Croix River, and I am enjoying a 
Riscato from Italy, which is a sweet red wine because I apparently love kids wine, as my friends tease me about. (laughs) And it is from the Trento territory in Italy. Love that. Well, you know, your friends can tease all they want. The old adage is the best wine is the wine that you like. So if that's your go-to, then, you know, that's a very good pick for this evening. So we will be drinking through our respective bottles as we go through our conversation this evening, which I'm super excited for. I just want to start off with a little bit of your background, though, and just kind of get a sense of where you grew up. And as you were growing up, I mean, you know, one of the things that you and I have in common, I think, is that you have pivoted at a number of points in your life and decided to go in different directions. But as you went in those new directions, you also took those skills that you had developed and the things that you had learned and applied them in new and different ways and sort of have been refining your life path as you go along. And I love that because I relate to it entirely. And you know my story, but I want my listeners to hear a little bit about your story. So can you talk about where you grew up and as you were growing up, how did you get into sort of that entrepreneurial mindset and get into your interest in real estate, which we also have in common, and then from there get into becoming a dating coach? Tell us that story. So I grew up in Minnesota, so in the Twin Cities area, Minneapolis, um, St. Paul area. And I am the daughter of Mexicans. So my father is a Mexican. And one of the things growing up, there was this huge pressure, especially from my grandfather. They lived in a city that for all intents and purposes, through my dad's childhood, they're one of three immigrant or minority families. And my grandfather really pondered in our heads that like, we're not lazy Mexicans, like we work hard. And so I think it was more a work ethic that started with the entrepreneurial idea. And then my father actually um, worked for the phone mortar company, but he owned a moving company as well. So we worked from the house answering phones for him at nine years old, 10 years old. We're answering the phone. Hi, this is Victor's transfer. And we were just little secretaries. And so we saw that hustle from a very young age. I left home at 16. And by the time I was 19, I opened up my very first telemarketing company because I had been doing that before. And then I got into real estate because I wanted to go to school. That didn't quite work out for the financials. And I thought, well, I wanted to be a psychologist. By the time I went to school, worked through all those years, I could actually go through a real estate career learn the business, make a lot of messes. And then by the time I would have graduated and got my degree, I'd be making the same amount of money because I figured out the business of real estate. And that kind of really timeframe is pretty much what happened (laughs) by the time I would have graduated. At that point, had opened up a brokerage, built a brokerage, had a good run for a year and a half, and then the recession hit. And it was just, boom, (laughs) everything dropped out. In that time span, though, I had... One of the big reasons why I opened up a real estate company was because I wanted to, I mean, I got into real estate essentially at 20 years old and I didn't know anything. I didn't even know how to buy a car. I hate to admit it, let alone buy a house. And here I am trying to learn the business, trying to learn what that process is and teaching people how to do that. But my first house at 25 was petrified. And what I realized was where I started and what I grew into. And I wanted to start teaching people what I learned. 
And so I thought, instead of having the idea of let's be a trainer, I thought, oh, I would open up a brokerage. And while I ran the brokerage, I started holding trainings and started teaching agents across the country because I opened up a franchise. And that gave me a platform to be seen, speak at conventions, get involved into the real estate association. And that allowed me to start working one-on-one with agents and seeing how much inside of me I loved coaching people. And interestingly enough, my trainings were all wrapped up around prospecting is what you learned in dating and relationship and follow-up is what you learned in dating and maintaining a relationship is how you maintain your relationship in your personal life. And I saw how real life played into business life and how business life played into real life. And I started weaving these things together. And interestingly enough, I myself actually started dating online in like 1999, 98. And That then was kind of something I was already doing on the side with my friends. And I actually, in the same time while I was selling real estate, I started holding these seminars for online dating because I just thought it was fun and I loved to train. I loved to coach. I loved to share knowledge. And more specifically, though, I love watching people apply the skills and the knowledge they learn from others and see how it positively impacts their lives. I love watching someone who doesn't think they can achieve something or doesn't think they're worthy of something all of a sudden have these ideas and someone believe in them and like basically watch them dust off their wings and unchain them from whatever it is and watch them soar. For me, that is just so gratifying. So traveling along the real estate journey, when the recession hit, it gave me this huge opportunity to assess business. And for me, the hard part was, you know, everything's falling apart. Numbers are coming off the walls. I used to walk around saying I have 26 agents without child support. I mean, just financially, it was very, very difficult. It was a struggle. And it was hard for me to focus on business when the reality is, is people's lives were falling apart. And so my coaching started to be with my agents and the agents I had coached was around how do they get out of bed in the morning? Not about what numbers are they putting on the wall because those numbers didn't matter if they couldn't get up. And then about their relationships and what the relationships they're having and the stress of of finances on their lives and these kind of things. And so... I ended up kayaking in Lake Superior and I almost died because I fell in and, and almost had, I had hyperthermia and it was really shaky for a while there. And at a certain point when I was stable and able to kind of walk back slowly, I have what I call my coming to Jesus conversation. And it was, if I died today, would I be happy? And for all intents and purposes, Yes, I've accomplished amazing things at that point and I had tons of recognition, but I wasn't happy. I had trapped myself into this career that I had built and this idea of success that I wanted to have that no longer fit me. And so I was like, well, what do you want to do? What would be fun? And at this point, everything leading me to this moment really summed up my idea, which was, I know, I'll open up a dating coach business. I had friends for years, people in relationships I was with for years, tell me, why don't you open up a singles group, like a company that helps singles? Why aren't you out there coaching for singles? So it just kind of seemed to make sense. And so I walked in the office about a week later, maybe about a week and a half later, and told my agents that I was opening up a dating coach business. And the response was, of course you are. 
And it was just kind of this very natural path in a very circuitous route in kind of a strange way. Um, but I've always been the person people turn to about advice for their life, their business and, and their dating and relationship situations. And so it's a very natural kind of path for me in a strange way that it unfolded. And then how did travel come into your life? How did you, when you think back of it, what was it that caused you to get interested initially in world travel and then to actually start traveling the world? So travel was something that, interestingly enough, so having grandparents that are from Mexico, so you hear this of this country, you hear an accent that you don't hear all the time from other people, right? Just growing up, you had... I would say that they were for me were the grandparents I love the most <laughs> and they're my favorite grandparents. So it's like you, but you had those grandparents compared to the other grandparents who were, you know, stereotypical American Minnesotans. And so you, you got to see the difference between the two. And I always found that fascinating and exciting. There was differences, very, very differences. And as you grow up, you realize there are cultural differences because at first you just see them as human beings, you know, they talk a little bit different, but you understand that there's actually cultural differences. So for me, Travel started out more about understanding people are from different places and having a curiosity of where these people are from. In school, it was interesting because then I would be attracted to people who were either from Scotland or England or what have you. So I wanted to know where they were from. At 19, I really, really wanted to travel. But by that point, I already committed myself to proving people that two people that really I know now didn't matter and their opinions didn't matter, but I had to prove that I was going to be successful. So I started at a very young age designing a life that trapped me. And just like my real estate life that trapped me, just the make of my life trapped me. And in 2017, um, I had a situation where my mother actually was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and we hadn't had the best relationship. And in the shortest version I could possibly say is my mom rejected me on a particular day. And I I took it very, very hard. And it was actually the last time I allowed for it to happen. And it was the decision that I made at that point was, I'm going to fulfill my dream to actually travel. And ever since I was 19, I actually wanted to travel. I wanted to go explore the world, but I didn't know how. And I just looked at my life. I saw where I was financially. I was doing very well. And I just literally looked online and I had been already studying plane tickets. And what's very interesting is, is that the plane ticket that I got was my birthday. Now, the price was my birthday. Now, what's really interesting about it was I didn't realize until I got back from my trip that literally the plane ticket was my birthday right down to the cents was the year. And I didn't realize until I got back. And I really think that there's something very serendipitous to that because that trip changed my life. It was, it was nearly three months and I went to eight different countries and truly lived, I would say for the first time, it was the least amount of time I've worked since I was 14 years old. I think I I worked, I say 16 hours, but I really think it was eight. And I just lived, I got to experience life. I got to have relationships with people in ways that I never, ever, ever had to the depths that I never, ever was able to have with complete strangers. And it just opened my eyes to something completely amazing. And then I had to come home and figure out how am I going to reshape my life? Because I was in a relationship, I own a home, I have these businesses that are location dependent, even though I'd been working remote for about almost 
you know, the whole time of my career almost. So I, I had parts of my life that actually were going to allow me to do it, but I had to reshape and restructure it. And it was another moment where all of a sudden it was a realization that I outgrew my life to the point where I'm now into a different stage and I need to let go of where I was at so I can live where I am and grow to the next level. I think that's amazing. And I think that sometimes people have a really hard time doing that, even if they sort of know that they should or they feel that they should. Sometimes it's just so hard to transition out of that. How did you make that transition? And what was that transition into? What is your ideal lifestyle right now? What choices are you making for how you structure your life and your travel? So it is a very difficult choice. I mean, I think whenever you shape your life in one way, even though you know it no longer fits you, you kind of go through a grieving process, right? You have to say goodbye. You're breaking up, if you will, essentially. You're breaking up with the life you once knew for the life that you want to have. And it's very difficult, especially when you're looking at finances and things, you know, having to decide what do I love and what don't I love and what fits and how do we make what I love fit with what I want. And that's a very mentally and emotional draining game. I took it slowly. I came home and had a conversation with my relationship and said, this life doesn't fit me anymore. <laughs> and I want to live this hybrid life. And what happens happens, but this is what I want for me. This is what I need. And this is who I am. Um, and that's really hard to have that conversation, but I have to be authentic and show up. And that's actually one thing that my trip showed me when I met with friends. It was so interesting because they're like, you glow. You just glow. And the thing about me, I would say, is throughout all my trials and tribulations in my life, happiness has always been a theme. I've always been a happy person. But I think that's because I've learned how to be happy. I've learned how to find goodness in almost all situations. But I could truly say that, yeah, I could feel that I glowed. I could feel that I was like this exuberantly happy person because I just lived, right? And how could you go back to the suffocating life? So for me, I started to actually shift my businesses. My real estate company, I had been pecking down already into smaller and smaller um, size to now I actually literally have a real estate company of party of two. Um, I'm one of those parties. Um, it's amazing. It's great. And I love it because I can still help people when I'm in Minnesota and I want to. And on the other side, the agent that I have helps people who would want to work with me, but I'm, you know, in the world somewhere. So that's great that way. But my dating coach business, I shifted that even though I had clients who came to me from around the globe, it still was prevalently based in Minnesota. And my clients were based on, and my business plan was based on me holding events in Minnesota, which became incredibly difficult because I don't want to be in Minnesota all year long. So I have a home in an area that I love. I bought my home when I was 25 years old and not from a materialistic standpoint, but what I have found is that no matter where I am in the world and how much I generally don't miss home until I start getting towards the end of the trip, I love coming home. 
I love that moment where it's like, this is me and I can look around. And even when I travel and when I, because I'm a slow mad in that way, I buy things that remind me of my house or the things that I like. Like I love plants and gardening. And so I will buy plants and buy plants and I gift them to whoever's going to be in the place afterwards because I need to have things that make me, that it's my home when I'm there. And, but when I come home, I'm like, oh yeah, I have all these clothes that it's like I went shopping again for new clothes because of the closet that I haven't been able to go into. I've noticed that my friendships and relationships, I really have more narrowed down at home because I'm obviously only capable of maintaining so many because I'm gone so much. But I really love how this life allows me to not have given up the things that really were important to me and that I value that safety and the security of my home. I like that. I love being able to come home. On the other side, I have the freedom to go travel whenever or wherever I want to. And I have this hybrid lifestyle that allows me to Um, shift from the dating coach business. I've now evolved into being able to coach nomads and focus on that and become part of Nomad Soulmates and now being a co-owner and a partner there and working on, you know, our Facebook group and working within our community and our dating app. And so I'm able to still do that coaching and I'm transitioned my passions and I'm allowed myself to focus my business pursuits in areas that I love and not have them be locationally dependent versus what I love to do and allowing myself to live that. I love that answer because one of the things that I talk to people about all the time is that the true value of location independence is that you have the freedom to choose, right? So my first six years of being location independent, I founded Maverick Investor Group with my business partners back in 2007. And for my first six years, I was 100% location independent. I didn't need to be anywhere for business purposes, but I lived in Los Angeles for the first six years of my location independence. Why? Because I loved Los Angeles. I wanted to be there. I was also in a relationship and I had other things that I was choosing to be there for, right? And now in the last eight years, ever since 2013, I have been a full-time itinerant nomad with no base. And that's the that's what I'm choosing right now at this portion of my life, right? And the point of location independence is you have that freedom and you can choose how you structure your lifestyle, how you structure your travel cadence, and you can do the things that are important to you. And at some point in the future, if that changes, then you can adjust and you have the flexibility and the agility to, you know, to change and to modify and to refine as as you go along. So I love that answer and how you framed that. I think that's super important for folks to understand. It's not like, oh, there's this one lifestyle model that's the ideal thing. Rather, it's Each individual person has the freedom, if they're location independent, to choose how they structure their own individual life. I do want to ask you, though, a little bit more about the travel and the experience and the international travel, because you mentioned how transformative that was in that first international trip and what that did for your life. And when you think back now, all of the years that you've been traveling and all of the experience that you've had, what does travel mean to you at this point? Why do you continue to travel? What do you get out of it? And maybe even share, you know, some of the the highlights or, the, or sort of the most transformative things that have happened to you. But at this point in your life, what does travel mean to you when you think about it? 
I love that question because what started me out in traveling and what I discovered in that first trip was I had a deeper connection with myself. And one of the things that when you leave home at 16, and I think just with my childhood being so difficult, you have this sense of resilience that you develop really early on. But when you start reaching certain levels of success, so to speak, and kind of financial success, the, the, the struggles that you can have are not as impactful or as deep because some of those struggles when you're younger are very financially driven and financially based, especially if you leave home at 16. There's so much that you don't realize, right? So as you grow as a human being and as you grow more into yourself a little bit and you start shaping a life, some of your struggles kind of lessen as you get older. And I rediscovered that 16-year-old who had to think differently, who processed life in a different way, and who looked at the world with a fresh set of eyes. And travel actually reconnected me with that. It literally flipped my entire world upside down. As beautiful and amazing of the experiences that I met as far as having conversations with people in markets and realizing that you can be needing help from somebody who doesn't even speak your language. You don't have a common tongue and yet you can have the deepest connection with them because all of a sudden you're connecting on a human level, a heart level, a spiritual level, and you're trying to help one another move along and you're really truly connecting on a human level, which is the most beautiful thing that you can have. And I remember moments like this when I was 16, when I was 17, 18, 19, 20, trying to figure things out and struggling and having to go to a mentor or having to go to someone who was a complete stranger to ask questions and have this curiosity because it meant a little bit of surviving and growing. And so one of the things that I've really been thinking about this last year is that in the next two years or year to two years, I really need to push myself to travel further in regions that I haven't gone to yet because I keep going back to Europe and I'm getting to the point where it's comfortable for me. I'm no longer getting challenged. I don't have to think so hard to get on a train, which sounds hilarious, but that's not something I ever had, you know, here in Minnesota. And, you know, just simple things about how do you look at the world and what are the cultures and how are they different and how do they challenge me inside to grow. And so I'd say that travel has, for me, it means personal growth, personal development, but a greater understanding and connection to humanity and to the world. And I think that that is something that's so important. I love that. What a great answer. That's awesome. What I want to do now, Kimberly, is go into your area of expertise, your 15 years of experience as a professional dating coach. And obviously, you're now focusing on the nomad niche and the nomad dating space. But I have to imagine that a lot of the dating advice that you would have is applicable to both nomads and non-nomads. And that probably, you know, I mean, there's some unique things about the nomad dating space, which I want to get into, of course, but I have to imagine that about 90% of the stuff, it's like, whether you're a nomad or not, it's going to be pretty similar stuff. And so I want to just sort of start there with the 
you know, the dating advice that's applicable to everybody. And when you think back on your 15 years of professionally coaching people in the dating space, what are some of the biggest lessons or the biggest reflections or the things that are the most, you know, the most common that people come to you with and that you're able to coach them on, you know, that that you would that you would share sort of just off the bat that would probably be fairly universally thematic or, or applicable. So I think that sometimes as nomads, because we experience life, I think a little bit different, right? We have, I think, a deeper connection to let's just say the world. We have usually a, a stronger pulse on things. We also forget, though, that we're human beings and we all have an eight-year-old child inside of us. We all have life experiences before we became nomads. And so does every other single person out there. And so even though a lot of us, I always love the conversations around what did you grow into or what did you discover? We leave and we actually discover ourselves and, 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 and what have you when we're being nomadic. And one of the things that I think is an often looked over piece is while maybe we heal some wounds and discover some things about ourselves in some deep places, we don't necessarily, I think, discover and work on the deeper wounds that actually impact how we have true relationships in the sense of intimate relationships, dating and relationships, relationships with a person who you consider or want as a partner. I think that is often highly overlooked because the beauty that we have as nomads is we get to go be distracted by everything else in the world. We get to be distracted by these amazing experiences, the relationships and connections that we meet on a friendship level. So we get to run from, if you will, or hide and or ignore the things that are actually keeping us and holding us back from actually having a committed relationship, if that's what we want, or some sort of loving relationship, which I would have to say seems to be a huge need because our Facebook community is over 14,000 people. It is a huge topic that's talked about in the nomad community, in the nomad space, is how do I find a partner? How do I find my soulmate? Or how do I find that companion? And it's something that frustrates everyone. But I think the one thing that stayed constant from the day you were born to where you are right now is that you're the person in the role of your life. It did not change. In every relationship you broke up with, you were the one who always stayed the same. Every country you went to, you're the one who always was the one person who was always in that role. I think that is so important. And I agree with it 100%. I think a lot of people travel, they start to travel, and it's almost like they're running away from something or they're trying to run towards something. But wherever you're running, it's still you. <laughs> like, you can't escape yourself, right? So your geographic place that you go, even if you leave somewhere and you go somewhere you've never been and nobody knows you there, it's still you that's there, right? So I think that's a very, very, very important point. The traveling is in no way going to allow you to escape yourself. That is for sure, right? And so what tips do you have and how do you coach people on that concept of how to start doing that type of work and getting to the next level there? So I think what's really important is you have to kind of 
explore what that is. So you see a lot of people go on a lot of spiritual journeys or a lot of self-discovery journeys, uh, maybe around why they have anxiety or depression or, you know, these different things about their lives, but they don't explore, you know, what are those areas of why they have them in dating and relationships? You know, do they feel unloved on a deeper level? Um, do they feel like they're not worthy or they don't have value? Do they have this exterior confidence that is out there because they're able to travel and build these successful careers and sustain this lifestyle? But then on the other side, because they've built such confidence externally, do they actually admit to themselves they're lacking confidence and self-esteem really truly on the deeper level? Because one thing I do think it's a very easy for you to do is build a confidence that I can survive out there in the world, but then it doesn't hit as deep as I'm confident enough to actually stand in my own space in a relationship, in a conversation. Are you really truly, have you become very authentic to who you are and what it is you need? And one thing that I notice, there's a component of whether you're a nomad or you're not, if you're a female and you're successful, you get very good at being in kind of a masculine energy, a very confident state and very in control of your life. And I love that. I'm a person who is definitely can can be in that space. I can throw down and stand tall with any man and go and break glass ceilings and what have you. But in a relationship, while my partner is going to appreciate my strength and love that about me, there's also a point where I have to also kind of drop that and be able to be vulnerable and be able to reveal and allow myself to be fully seen and allow them to receive me and also receive them in back. And I'm not saying that you're giving up power. I'm almost saying you're allowing yourself to be even more powerful because you're not hiding behind or you're not using this strength that you built up but you're actually turning into your vulnerability, which is a huge, huge strength because you trust yourself enough to know that you can be vulnerable with the right people and present in front of the right people. And that is an absolutely amazing moment when someone can see you vulnerably standing in front of them and such a connection is made and so much love can be created by that moment. And you mentioned that specifically when you started talking about that, you gave specifically the example of women and particularly, you know, really dynamic and successful, you know, women. What would you say in terms of men? Would it be the same or would there be some modifications there that you make? What would be the advice for sort of men in that situation? And particularly too, like, you know, just thinking about this concept of there's a lot of really amazing men who oftentimes are a little bit confused about why they get put in, I guess, what you'd call the friend zone or, you know, something of that nature. What types of tips do you have for men in that respect? So for the friend zone, I think the biggest thing about the friend zone is, is are you showing up and showing interest where you're showing that person that you're there I don't want to say in a sleazy way for a romantic purpose, but are you showing that you know, kind of like in this way is like, what position are you interviewing for? I guess is the best way of putting it, right? So are you interviewing for the boyfriend position or are you interviewing for the friend zone position? Are you going through the actions and the behavior of I'm just a friend because you're too afraid of taking that extra step or making that extra move of showing interest? 
of taking maybe a lead in a moment um, to build some sort of physical chemistry. Like a lot of times what happens, what you'll see with the friend zone thing is the interview for the role of the friend versus interviewing the role of the boyfriend. And it's very hard sometimes. And, and women will say all the time, I wanted to start out with a friendship and evolve from there. But that is to a point. Yes, that's true. But they also want you to be showing up as I've already know I have this job as a boyfriend in a respectful way, not in a demanding way, but in a confident way, in a way that I like you, I'm physically attracted to you, I'm mentally attracted to you, I'm attracted to you in every possible way there possibly can be, because you're an amazing woman. And I have an amazing time with you. And I would love you to be part of my my life and we'd have amazing life together. And if you lead that way, like if you look at different cultures too, right? I think that different cultures honestly have men and women in different cultures date differently. And that's one of the, I think the beauties of being a nomad is you actually get to see that. You get to experience that. But if I take, let's just say a European man and compare it to a American man, and I'm speaking in generals here, there are obviously many unique people were unique people as individuals. So this is all general advice. Um, but you will see European men having like this confidence, this charisma, this very respectful in, in many of the European countries way of them that when they're dating, they show their interest in a very confident way. And one of the big things that you look then in America, that nice guy, that friend category, you can be a nice guy, you can be a friend, but do you step up with confidence and lead in moments when it's very critical? And I would say that you will hear people say about the bad boy gets all the girls. You know, that's kind of sometimes a mentality that you'll hear sometimes. And it's not because they like the excitement of the bad boy. They're attracted and drawn to the confidence of the bad boy. And it's that confidence that just busts through right away. And it doesn't mean, because let's face it, there are introverts, there's extroverts, there's omniverts. And it doesn't mean that if you're an extrovert, guess what? You're in trouble. Or an introvert, guess what? You're in trouble. No, it's just simply saying that you and your energy have moments where you can step into someone's life and show up for yourself and show up to a female and show her that you're interested, asking her out on a date, show what your intentions are and hold her hand while you're walking down and just kind of, you know, smiling and showing that interest and allowing yourself to be seen in her eyes as someone that she could possibly see in a romantic relationship with. I love that you talked a little bit about the concept of dating in different cultures. I mean, I actually think that as a nomad, dating locally is one of the most incredible things about travel in terms of your ability to connect with local people and have local experiences because it'll just be, you know, there's almost like whenever I date locally in another country, 
there is literally no pressure at all or no perception of like, oh, this was a failed date because it didn't go in a romantic direction or whatever. No, if I met someone locally that's from that place, wherever I am, and we went out and had a lovely evening and I learned about them and their culture and everything that they had to share with me, I had an amazing connection and I shared with them and we had just an incredible exchange. And so no matter if the date goes in a romantic direction or not, it's an amazing experience. And so I think dating locally is one of the best ways and one of the best things you can do if you're single when you're traveling. I 100 percent agree. I absolutely 100 percent agree. And I think that nomads who pass that opportunity by because they think, oh, there's just no chance with a local or what's the point. I think you're doing themselves an amazing disservice. Not only because, like you said, you have the opportunity to meet someone of a different culture and see the place that you're in in a very different way. But I would argue you actually go on a date in in the way that dates are supposed to be had. Because the expectations aren't there of this big grandiose, oh, I have to do this right and I have to, all the pressure's off because you're actually meeting someone on a human level. And that's what it's about. We sent some maybe messages on this dating app or I saw you in a coffee shop. We started up a conversation. I just said, hey, do you want to get together later tonight? Or they invited you because they knew you were a local and said, hey, what are you doing? Would I would love to show you this. And you had the courage to say, absolutely. What are you doing on Friday? You know, you have these courages. The biggest thing is, is you move out of your own way. That is like the biggest thing that happens when you date locally because you would take all the pressure off yourself. And on the other side, and I think that this is the mistake that a lot of nomads do, is on the other side, you actually open yourself up to a possibility of maybe potentially meeting someone that you end up having an amazing relationship with. And you just don't know it because either you don't have the courage or you think, oh, I've done that before or what have you. And I think it's just kind of aligning yourself. What are your values? What do you want and what are you looking for? And the reality is, is that I've met more nomads who have met people who are locals. And I will use case in point, um, Eileen, my partner at Nomad Soulmates, right? So she met Nalem. He's a local. He was in a coffee shop. He talked to her. He must have had really good, you know, he must have been pretty smooth or what have you. And from my guesstimate, they've been together at least two, three years now, maybe four. And it's one of those most beautiful things. And she still calls herself a nomad. She doesn't complain about not traveling yet. She still travels a little bit and they travel together. And you just don't know what other people might aspire for their life. And like me, At 38 years old, going out in 2017 for the first time, had I met a nomad for some crazy reason five years, 10 years earlier, I can honestly tell you, had they painted the picture for me, had I gone for that experience, I would have became a nomad so much faster. And with COVID, I think we have this amazing opportunity to introduce new people to this lifestyle. And I think that they're more prone to actually join you on that journey. Yeah, I think the other thing, you know, when you think about it, and I talked to other nomads about this as well, is just how much choice and how many options there are available to us. Because when you think about a regular human being that lives in one place, 
all the time. And, you know, their entire dating universe is literally the people that are in driving distance from their house. That is the entire scope of their dating options. Whereas if you're a nomad, your dating options are literally the human beings on the planet of Earth. Absolutely. That's actually what I think is beautiful about being a nomad is literally you have locals and globals. And it's one of those things that you truly have a global opportunity and to think that there's nobody out there for you when you have the entire globe at at your fingertips. And it's just simply putting yourself out there and being open to the possibilities out there. I think with COVID, one of the beautiful things is everyone, even nomads, has have slowed down. So video dates, I think, are an amazing opportunity. And let's face it, we've, we work remotely. We're like kings and queens. We're like little movie stars when it comes to video dates. We do video better than anyone else in the world. We know how to connect through a video screen. We know how to have conversations. You know, at Nobody's Homemates, we host these speed dating events and they're video speed dating events, right? And I always giggle a little bit because we have these cards that you can flip. And um, when I host speed dating events for locals, they need those. They need those little cues to talk about what have you. You put nomad two nomads together, they have stories upon stories upon stories. They could talk Ever. It is the most, our lives are intriguing, but we have a common bond always that we are never short of what to say, to have conversations and we can connect. And so it's really about slowing down, knowing ourselves, what it is we're wanting, being authentic with that and connecting with that, putting that out in the universe, not being afraid to say this is what we want not being afraid to be vulnerable and not being afraid to have conversations. I think a lot of times we can have vulnerable conversations about everything else, but what we really wanting to do when we want to. I want to take just one minute out to let you know that in addition to hosting The Maverick Show, I am also the co-founder of Maverick Investor Group, a real estate brokerage that helps you buy turnkey rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets from anywhere. So these are single family homes sometimes two to four unit properties, and they're either brand new or fully renovated, and they already have tenants and local property management in place. So you get all the benefits of owning the deeded real estate, that physical house, the hard asset, without the headaches of being the landlord or the rehabber or needing to live near the property. So I want to offer you a free consultation if that sounds interesting to you. To learn more about it, you can just go to themaverickshow.com slash consult. And now, back to the episode. Connect within our hearts with another human being and actually owning that space. I want to ask you a little bit more about the nomad dating space in particular and dating other travelers. One of the things I think that is amazing about Nomad Soulmates is that you have created a community that has, at this point, over 14,000 single 
digital nomads in it. And one of the amazing things about connecting with other single nomads is that they are already location independent, right? They already share a basic value and priority in terms of lifestyle design. They've found a way to get themselves location independent. They value world travel. And you have that as a basic core commonality for connecting, which I think is completely amazing. And one of the things I want to do, though, is I want to ask you a few questions about the nomad dating dynamic in particular and how it is when nomads are dating nomads, how that can be different from regular dating and how people can navigate it. For example, if you are and I I interview a lot of nomads on the podcast, of course, and I talk to a lot of them about dating and their dating experiences and stuff. And so, you know, one of the things and I want to get your advice on this that is a realistic dynamic is that nomad relationships tend to go from zero to 60 at an astronomically fast pace compared to regular dating, right? Like like regular dating, it's like, okay, we go on a date, we meet, and then, okay, now would you like to go on a second date? Okay, maybe a week later, we meet again for a second date. And then maybe you go on a third date a week later or so, you meet for a third date. And it's sort of this gradual pace, right? With nomad dating, it's like, okay, you might literally just be in the same city for a period of two to three weeks, right? You hit it off, sparks fly, and you start dating, and you start seeing you're living in the same city, you're living right near each other, maybe you're seeing each other every day, or whatever it is, and then all of a sudden, you have a decision to make, right? Uh, Do we want to start traveling together and continue seeing each other and try to make this work. And if you want to quote, continue seeing each other and continue dating, basically you're moving in together. (laughs) So it's like, so it's like, Oh great. We've been dating for two to three weeks. Want to move in together. Right. So, so, you know, on the one hand, that is just lightning fast escalation of a relationship dynamic compared to the way a traditional dating process would work. On the other hand, the reality is that moving in with someone as a nomad might simply just mean we're going to rent an Airbnb for a month in this city. And then if it doesn't work out after a month, we'll both just, you know, zip up our suitcases and go in different direction. You know, it's not literally like, oh, we're going to get a year long lease and split the cost of a couch and like furnish this place. And then I'm going to have a moving truck come and move all my stuff out. And, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, you know, it's like, it's like that dynamic is also very different as well. Like the actual commitment and ability to, if it doesn't work out, the pressure I think is a little bit lower on that, but I would love your reflections on the whole dynamic there and how, you know, to navigate that. I think the one dynamic you missed was what if you meet in a co-living, co-working space and now you're actually living together from the go and then like, you know, you've spent time for those two weeks then you realize you don't like each other and you're still there for another three weeks. I think you missed missed that dynamic as well. (laughs) You know, Yeah. So, okay. I look at kind of nomad dating a little bit like high school dating. 
Because if you really think about it, right, when you were in high school, it kind of was this way. I met you. I kind of like you. We're dating. And like, you know, it's like super fast. It's a super, super fast thing. So it's actually not something new to us. I think one of the big things is, is that when you're nomad dating, there's a couple of things. You have to know yourself. That's the, the, the biggest part is you have to know yourself. How do I say this? What your heart can go through, because some of these things are you have these three weeks or you have this month, right? And some people are able to go through this experience and say, we're having this time now. And I'm enjoying this time now. And I'm into you now. And I'm highly present now. But when we leave, I have no idea what that's going to be. And I'm okay with that. Right. And that's a really hard place to be, especially if you have feelings, if you actually have a connection and you really like this person. And so one of the things I was thinking about, actually, I was thinking about this earlier today, and it's kind of like this reframing of what does it mean to have like, I think one of the things that we have not adapted from. So we've adapted all these normal life labels, normal life behaviors. The one thing we haven't fully adapted to is this idea of I was successful in dating or I failed in dating. And I think if we reshape that narrative, what does success mean and what does failure mean? Because to me, I would argue if your heart, if your mind and in your body if you can go through a month type of relationship or a three week experience and really be in it and enjoy it for what it is in that moment and have several of those experiences throughout your life or throughout a year, and they can be incredibly magical. We've all had them. They're a magical, magical experiences, but they are what they are. And, and you can't help but what happens next. And one of the couples that I admired that I met actually was Lucia and Peter at Sun and Co. And I interviewed them. And there's a video out there that they actually made it on local TV. <laughs> it's just kind of funny. But they met on Tinder. He was a nomad. She was not. And one of the things that I thought was really amazing was they didn't put pressure on themselves. They just enjoyed that he was in, I want to say he was in her country and they ended up meeting. It was kind of their messaging back and forth. He asked her out for a cup of coffee and a walk. They went, they enjoyed these three weeks together. It was like really great. They had fun. And then he was like, okay, I'm going to go back home. And he kind of kept messaging her and then was like, hey, I'm going to be traveling to this place. Do you want to meet me? Sure, that'd be great. She traveled and met him and they kind of dated. And they did this for about three to four months. And I guess... Peter, he hadn't dated a lot. And I think his sister at one point in time said, so have you had the talk yet? And Peter's like, what talk? And he said, she said, well, don't you think she's going to want to know if you guys are boyfriend and girlfriend and what are you guys going to do? And he's like, oh, we have to talk about that. And it was really kind of cute because his naivety, I think, actually helped him because he didn't push for an agenda, nor did she. And so by the fifth time that they had met or so, they ended up realizing we really like being together and we don't want to part. So now we're going to actually create a life together and travel together and take more of a normal relationship approach, right? And I think that as nomad, that's actually one of the beautiful things that we have is we have that freedom 
just like any other relationship to not push for a destination. So I would almost argue to take your experiences for what they are in front of you and present. And if you are a person who's looking for a committed relationship, and that's what you're looking for, then I do believe really early on in your experience with somebody, you need to own that and share that and talk about what your values are around that. Because if that person is going, I want to live in this moment and I can't promise you what happens when I leave, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but that also might be something that makes you say, okay, so I need to kind of make a decision. Do I want to continue knowing that the moment that one of our planes leaves, I could never see this person again. And am I okay with that? Do I want to spend the rest of my time, even though I'm enjoying this, investing in this person and these are experiences? Or do I want to open myself up to possibly meeting other people while I'm here? And I think that it's you need to find what's your values and what's going to help you. I want to ask you about this, sort of the flip side. We talked about how amazing it is that literally the entire planet of Earth are pool of dating prospects. On the flip side of that, what do you think are the implications of human beings, men and women both, having that many options and that many choices? Do you notice that having an impact, whether the impact is making people less likely to commit because there's so many other options out there, maybe there's something better, you know, like, or anything else. Like what, what do you see as the impact of that? A hundred percent. I'm going to bring this back to real estate, right? So when real estate wasn't digital and so historically in America, we had these things called the MLS book. So they were books. And so you didn't have this massive information of what houses were on the market. Plus you didn't have as much inventory. Well, if you look at that in the similar standpoint, when you dated historically, first of all, people weren't locationally independent. So that was one state of it, right? And so you had a small selection. So you would focus and you would kind of say, okay, this is the person I'm enjoying this. And I I would say you almost didn't, you really valued the people in front of you, right? I think that having the world at your hands and at your fingertips at any moment and the possibilities of the entire world It allows you, one, potentially, and I'm not saying everyone does this, but I definitely knew some people do this. They take for granted the people standing in front of them. Some can use the people in front of them. And that definitely is something that happens whether you're a digital nomad or whether you are someone locationally dependent. You use people because you can, because the next person is only one swipe away and you can meet them tomorrow. And I would challenge anyone in that space, you have to live your life for you. But I would challenge anyone who's doing that to one look inside themselves that are causing them to do that. And on the other side, though, think about the people that are standing in front of you, and what type of impact that may have on their lives. And if you want to do you great, but think about the person in front of you. It can be very, very painful. On the other side, it is. There's actually a person who wrote a, I wish I could remember his name, but he wrote a Medium article and he's part of our group. And he actually talked a lot about how he was very grateful for COVID because it forced him to slow down 
and connect with human beings on a human being level. And to see women in front of him in a dating capacity on a human level and actually slow down long enough to connect with them, to gain a value of them. And now he's in a relationship. He met someone and he loves that. But I think what you have to force yourself or not force yourself, but you have to have the conversation of what is my value and why am I behaving the way I'm behaving and what impact do I want to have on people's lives and own that. If you really are a person who's like, I just want to be, I would just say maybe a journey. I want to be a person who's on journeys and I want to have a journey with somebody for the moments that I'm in this city then just own that and be honest with somebody. And if you see someone's more of a relationship minded and really wants something that's more committed, something long-term, then be honest with that person. But then, you know, I think, and we hear these stories all the time of people that they outgrow this type of behavior or it gets old for them at a certain point in time. But I think everyone is on their own personal development journey. And I don't think any of us, as long as you're not maliciously doing things, I don't think any of us can choose the path of development for anyone. Yeah, I think the communication thing is the most important, right? Absolutely. I mean, that's really what it is, right? Because there's all sorts of different options that can be beautiful and amazing, right? I mean, you can go on a first date with somebody and having no idea what will the chemistry be like or things like this. And there can be all sorts of amazing outcomes, right? Like maybe it's a long-term relationship thing, or maybe it's just you're going to have an epic, you know, one month with this person in this amazing location and you'll remember it forever. And it was an extraordinary person, but it was just an experience for that one month. But that can be beautiful and amazing and impactful. Or maybe it's, you know what, this is just going to be a friend, but it's going to be an amazing homie of mine that I want to roll with in the city and hang out in the city. And that's going to be an epic experience, even though it's in totally non-romantic, but it can be a really amazing, special experience. And then that's a friend, you know, for life that you can even travel with or do things like that. Like I have a number of very, very, very close female friends of mine that I travel with and I go and I do amazing things with. And that's really important, I think, to have really, really close female friends as well. And so being open to all of those different things like, wow, like this could be an amazing something. That's great. But I think, you know, your point about the communication is important because if somebody else is only looking for one thing and just being clear about what it is that is going on here so that nobody gets hurt by having a misunderstanding, I think is really the key. And I think also, I think the, the really critical point there is that no one gets hurt. The reality is, is this, you can't control, let's say you meet someone, you go out once or you go out twice and the person comes to you and says, I'm having these feelings or what have you. And if you were just honest and you were just yourself and you just were doing your things, you can't control how that other person develops feelings for you. If you're showing up being authentic and you're not leading them on per se, right? You can't control that. And if you're not there, you owe it to that person to communicate as clearly and as honestly as you can to them where you see the differences lie. And I think that we all have that little voice inside of us that tells us. And one of the things that I always teach my clients is if you're starting to question where things are going and when you're starting to question what's going on here and you're starting to question what their feelings are, 
a lot of times that's your gut telling you you're probably either more into it than the other person or the other person's more into it than you and you need to have a conversation. And what most people do is they ignore that and continue on and go because they're afraid of the conversation, what might be said. And it's that moment you need to own the space and you need to lovingly, as graciously have a conversation. And as long as you're authentic and you're honest, nobody can hold that against you. Yeah, 100%. So let me ask you now a little bit about online dating and profiles and all of that kind of stuff, right? Because right now in this current moment, a lot of the online dating apps work internationally, right? So you can go all around the world and you can use the same online dating apps, whether it's Bumble or Tinder or any number of litany of other ones, and they work internationally. So I wanted to get your advice and tips on that for online dating profiles, advice that you have for that, and just in general sort of tips that you have for online dating around the world. So it comes back down to authenticity. One of the things is, is that Nomad Soulmates in our Facebook group, we have this thing where people write introductions. Some people will be courageous enough to post these videos. And I always love when people post their videos. And the beauty that they have actually is a secret weapon because I'm one of the people who approves the posts. And if someone's write-up is not, let's just say, the most captivating that it could be, they generally receive a message from me in the background saying, hey, thanks for joining our community. Love that you're putting yourself out there. I have a little bit of experience in this. And would you mind if I make some suggestions? And I would say nine out of 10 times, they take me up on it. One person had posted a video or wanted to post a video. And I will say he didn't take me up on it. And his reasoning, I actually really loved. But it was kind of one of those moments where I'm like, I love your reasoning because you want to be authentic. You want to be you. You don't want to rehearse. And also, he said it took him a lot of effort to do this one thing and he wanted to do it courageously. So I wanted to support him in that. But there was this thing where I was like, yeah, but there's like two things in your video. If you just shift that, like this video will get so much more attention, like so much more attention. And it was something as simple as when he started the video, he started it below his chin. And then as he talked, he started raising it up and up and up. So eventually we're looking at his eyes. And it's simple. It's a very simple thing. But you could connect with him. But by the time he did that, you kind of interest already kind of wandered. So there's there's little things like that. But with your online dating profile, what I think is beautiful about nomads is that we have such wonderful stories. And our lives have been shaped by a lot of experiences. I see like a heart and soul and spirituality that you see that comes through, but also just like dynamic writing and experiences and stories with themselves. One of the things I still see in a nomad profile that I actually see in a location dependent person. So a universal thing that I see that doesn't seem to go away is a difficulty sometimes sharing their story and writing to the people they're looking to attract 
versus the person they're looking to not attract. Sometimes people spend too much time speaking about what they don't want, what doesn't align with them versus actually just sharing how much of an amazing person they are. So look at me, here I am. What type of partner they're looking for. So who is this match? So speaking to their target market and then inviting them to reach out to you. One of the things that drives me nuts so much, so, so much on profiles or introductions in our Facebook group. First of all, we don't allow people to drop links to their social media or their websites or what have you. But if you turn around and say, if you'd like to learn more about me, stalk me on my Instagram. No, they're going to stalk you on Instagram anyways, if they think you're remotely attractive, what have you. No. If you think you're my match, drop me a comment or send me a personal message. Tell them what to do. Tell them to, to, to share about themselves. Tell them to introduce themselves. I actually love using the line, you know, I look forward to you introducing yourself in the comments below. And guide them to what you want them to do. What is that next step? So some of the things that, you know, if we want to get from a business standpoint, kind of technical terms is that your online dating profile is the greatest copy you're ever going to write for yourself. And so you want to start it off with this dynamic, captivating, interesting thing, a comment, statement, come join me wherever it is. So if your next adventure is in another location, invite them to go with you. Yeah, I know there are tons of strangers out there. You don't have to go with them. You're just painting a picture of what is life like with you? What is your spirit? What is your adventure? And then you tell them a little bit about yourself. What brought you into this lifestyle? What do you value? What do you enjoy doing? What's kind of some quirky things, cool things about you? And then what is about this person that you're looking for? What type of journeys do you want to have with them? What does that relationship look like? What does daily life look like? Or what does date life look like with you? What type of adventures do you want to have? Who are they as human beings? Like what values do you have that you share? And then you wrap it up into, I always call that the combo paragraph and, and kind of the about them paragraph. And then you wrap it up with a call to action, a very clear call to action. And if you don't want them sliding into your DMs, don't invite them to your DMs. I would almost encourage turning off your social media messaging so they can't slide into your DMs at first. So that way you force them to make comments in in the, if we're talking about the Facebook group, in the comment section so you can weed out the people who are not aligned with you. But I also believe if you're making a post, especially in our social group or out there, you owe it to someone who raises their hand in a sincere manner and shows interest, you owe at least a polite thank you or some sort of acknowledgement. Because the thing that I think that far too happens in social media, as well as on dating apps, is we don't realize it as a human on the other side of that screen. And while you may be getting bombarded by people you're not physically attracted to, because you can look at them and go, yeah, okay, this is just not my style. Or their communication isn't your style in a maybe not as high of an intellectual level or, you know, whatever it is, doesn't matter. But as long as they're respectful, it's a human being on the other side and they deserve to be seen in that moment. And it's just, thank you for your interest. Um, I really appreciate it. I don't think we're a match. Something like that is polite and going on. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. And when I submitted my intro in the Nomad Soulmates group, I spent quite a bit of time 
crafting that introduction, right? And and this goes exactly to your point to what you're saying, which is that are you really spending time to present yourself in a particular way? How much time are you spending on your dating profile or in the case of Nomad Soulmates Facebook group, your introduction to the group? Like if you're going to introduce yourself, right? And this is how I thought about it, right? I'm going to introduce myself as a dating prospect to 14,000 single nomads. How much time am I going to spend on my introduction, right? Out of respect for the group, out of respect for myself and all of that. And I spent quite a while on that. And then I submitted it and you responded, (laughs) right? But you responded basically saying that you could tell that I spent a lot of time on it, right? And that you Mm -hmm. thought that, you know, you, you appreciated certain things that I did with it. You noticed what I was doing with it and, and all of that. And so I think that's a really, really important thing, whether it's with your dating profile on your app or whether it's your introduction into Nomad Soulmates is like put some time into that because it shows people so much about you if you're willing to put the time into selecting the right pictures and writing your intro in a particular way. And it has such a significant impact. And then exactly as you said, making sure that you write a sincere and thoughtful and appreciative response to every single human being that comments on your post, which I have done in Nomad Soulmates. And it's because I have genuinely appreciated every single response that I've gotten in that group, right? I mean, I've even gotten response from men who are talking to me about different things and, you know, oh, that's really cool that you do this. And like, I've actually made a bunch of male friends even through the post who we just have connections on different levels and we're now friends on Facebook and we're talking about, you know, various different things as well. But like every single woman who has shown any kind of interest to me on that post, I've responded and I've, I've you know, expressed appreciation because that is really, really important. But I think- Spending time on it is the important thing because when I'm looking at other people's profiles anywhere, right, an online dating app or anything like that, you can really tell how much effort did this person put into that. And that goes a long way. Absolutely. I want to step back a little bit and share what brought me to Nomad Soulmates. So I was actually in 2017, I was in Sun and Co. And there was a gentleman by the name of Zach, who I absolutely adore and cherish. And we were talking about just my journey and stuff. And he goes, have you ever heard of Nomad Soulmates? You should check them out and see if you can connect and see if they're maybe interested in just some sort of collaboration. I went into the Facebook group and I was fascinated. I was blown away by the quality, by truly the soulfulness of the community of the people, the efforts people put into their introductions, choosing the profile pictures, the pictures that they shared. And let's just face it, many nomads have some really epic experiences and have really some epic photography and have some epic photo equipment so they can actually have these amazing photos. But I have seen more men in our nomad soulmate group write multiple paragraph introductions that I have seen more of that than I have seen in, I would probably say the total of my 15 years of coaching people online dating in looking at other dating profiles for them in male spaces. And I'm not going to say that that doesn't exist out there because it does. But one of my fears and concerns that I have is as we open up our app, is that people won't be as intentional with their photos and with their write-ups because I feel like in the app, they can hide. On Facebook, it's their name tied to what they're doing. 
and they see great modeling in front of them. And if you don't mind me sharing, Matt, when you posted yours and I heckled you privately where I was like, all right, well, be prepared for your like, you're going to get lots of responses, prepared to be bombarded. And I actually had, I got to be honest with you. I loved your banter in the background. I loved what you wrote. You're an attractive guy. You know, I kind of was like, I can feel this guy. I can see this guy. Okay, I, I can chum with this guy. It's pretty cool. But what actually really impressed me was here you're getting these responses and you were literally Johnny on the spot and you did. You literally responded to every single person who who posted a comment. And that said so much volumes to who you are and how you value people that I was just like, all right, okay, cool. You can you can be in my camp. I, I want to know you. I want to be friends with you. I value that you value human beings. And it's something that's remarkable and incredible and something that's beautiful. That means so much to me. I really appreciate you saying that. And yeah, I mean, I'm flattered like any human being that would respond positively to me just putting myself out there and saying, this is who I am. Anybody that's going to give me a positive response, like I'm completely flattered by that each and every single one of them. And so, of course, I'm going to appreciate them for that and respond to them, of course, and thank them for that. And these are interesting people. Like, I want to get to know all of them. Like, maybe it's not a romantic connection. Maybe it is. But in any case, it's an interesting person because they're a world traveler and a nomad, and I'd love to hear their stories. So, absolutely. I mean, I think your community was completely amazing. And I've met so many incredible people through it. And it's just been a blast. I mean, you have really, really attracted quite an extraordinary group of nomads. And people, I think, are always wondering, like, how do I meet other folks that are nomads or travelers or this or that? And how can I sort of do this? And so I think you guys have really have really cracked that code and brought that community together. And I think that, you know, when you roll the app out, I feel like you could maintain the same level that you have in the Facebook group by allowing and encouraging people to do the same thing, right? Be able to write extended bios about themselves, put a number of pictures about themselves, spend time on their bios, and then really just have a high caliber app. I mean, that's because I think that's the secret to any dating app, right? Is just having a really high quality to start, right? Is having a really high quality bio, which is that you put thought and effort into your text description and into your picture selection. Here's one of the things I got to tell you this. You tell me if you agree with me. One of the things that I have found is that somehow human beings are unaware of what are the best pictures of themselves. Okay. hundred <laughs> It's just amazing, but it's totally true. Myself included, by the way, I'm not in any way excluded from this. And so one of the things that I do to attend to that deficiency that I and pretty much every other human that I know has is I have people review my profile. Okay, I have both women and gay men who have given me some of the best feedback on my profile. You know, I hate to say this, but I I always say this is Everybody needs a best friend that's a gay male. No question. Everybody about it. needs. I mean, absolutely. Hands down. Men, women don't care. I, I, I don't care how you identify. Absolutely. They will one straight up tell you when your shit is totally a hot mess. Hundred 
percent. They will not hold back. They will not lie. They will tell you. Oh, no, 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 no. It's true. It's very true. I always say you want to take them kind of, I hate this, but work with a coach like me. The reality is, is that so many people work with business coaches and executive coaches and fitness coaches and what have you. But there seems to be like the shame around why would I work with a dating coach? And it's like, this is a skill. We truly help you in this area of your life and help you work through it and get to where you want to go. Can we promise you love? No, we can't. But we can promise that you are putting yourself in the best position, that you're becoming the healthier version of yourself and that you're applying best practices, I guess is the best way to put it. And that you're putting yourself in a way that your energy is conveying and drawing and attracting to you the type of people that you're seeking. And it's really kind of helping you get out of your own way. And oftentimes it's minor tweaks. So I'm actually holding this Finding Love Online event. And I've been teaching online dating since 2000 around there, not officially at that time, because it was just for friends and family, because they're like, what are you doing over there? And how are you being so successful? I cracked the code on how it works. And there is a methodology to it. But a lot of it goes around putting effort, but knowing how to craft it. And it has to be congruent across because you could have an amazing written profile. But if what you write isn't also conveyed in your photos, then it's completely like what's going on. You're confusing me and you're sending signals and you could have amazing photos and not write anything, which is the worst, but almost maybe worse than that is having a horrible written profile. And then someone's like, okay, well, you look hot. You're great. But I'm sorry, what you've written here is completely awful. And then you could do those two very well. But then you get into the communication side and you could totally completely blow it. And so it's really a process. It's really a flow. It's really a skill. And it's not about lying or deceiving someone. It's learning how to show up authentically and naturally conveying yourself in a space that just happens to be digitally. Yeah, 100%. And that's why I also go to people that are friends with me and they know me and I ask them for feedback on my Mm -hmm. dating profile. What do you think about these picture selections? It'll be like, oh, that one definitely, that one definitely. Are you kidding me? Why would you include that picture in your thing, right? I was like, okay, you know, get that one out of there. But I do the same thing for my female friends, right? Like I have so many female friends that are nomads and they're amazing. I mean, they're gorgeous. They're super successful and smart and funny and interesting and adventurous and travelers. And they're just, I mean, I revere my female friends and then I'll I'll say, you know, let me look at your dating profile, right? And I'll I'll give them feedback. I'll be like, that picture, why would you use that? No, no, let me literally, I have a picture of you on my phone that I took of us when we were doing this thing. And it's amazing. Let's put that one in instead, right? And I'll help them like adjust their profiles because we all need that. Like everyone mm-hmm. needs that. And we need to be self-aware enough to go and seek that, whether it's from a dating coach or from friends of ours and just mm-hmm. say, hey, you know me. I know that you care about me and appreciate me, uh, you know, and you know me enough to know my positive qualities and everything else. What do you think about my text profile? What do you think about my picture selection? And just ask that and get that feedback and just modify accordingly. And if you do that, it'll all go to another level. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. A hundred percent. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And one of the exercises actually that we will be doing in this event is actually doing crowdsourcing of profiles. So you'll work on yours a little bit, but there will be peer to peer interviews and you will have this exercise and kind of go through it and talk about it. But they've already met you over a course of two days. You've already had these conversations and they're going to mirror back to you what they see and help you craft. And then once you craft your profile, help you reshape it and recraft it and really get something authentic for yourself and help you choose your photos. Okay. I love that. Now you're talking about this event. I want to be clear. I want to let you sort of talk about it entirely because I understand this is an online event. It is entirely virtual. People can participate from anywhere in the world, including everyone listening to this podcast. So tell us more about this event. What is it? What's kind of the full scope of it? And how do people participate? So it's Finding Love Online live. I will be presenting from Madeira Island at the Noved Village um, with other nomads, which is amazing. And they'll be able to go to findinglovealine.live. So it's it's the name. Uh, they can go there and they can sign up now. Right now, it's just getting invited for invitations to be invited to the event. But it is a three-day event, April 30th through May 2nd. And we will be going through a lot of the things that we've talked about this evening in deeper conversations. There'll be laser coaching that you can sign up for. But also, I believe in the power of collectiveness and collective knowledge. And it's not geared towards just single women or single men. It's geared towards everyone who's single. So everyone listening to this podcast, no matter where you are in the world, as long as you have access to internet, you are able to attend and join. And through that process, you will grow and learn how to shape your online dating profiles. And you'll come out with a online dating profile that is kick ass and amazing. But not only that, is you will grow and learn knowledge and be able to ask questions, the questions that you really, really want to ask other singles and get their feedback. And you'll be able to have conversations with and connect with them and grow with ideas and share that journey of what is it like to be out there dating and how are other people dating? What successes have they had? And what do, how do they live their dating lives? And then we're doing a lot of crowdsourcing. So we will actually be crafting your profile, but also sharing and helping others craft their own profiles. And in addition to that, we will be holding some practice video dates. And I'm really actually excited about that because while they're practice video dates, they also allow you to have, let's just say, more interesting conversations one-on-one and you never know where those are going to lead. So it's not only a place for you to grow and be safe, but also meet other like-minded individuals who just happen to be single Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. (laughs) That's awesome. So Kimberly, I want to ask you one more question before we move into the lightning round and wrap this up. Can you share some examples of nomad success stories that people through the nomad soulmates community and nomad dating in general, you know, that have been successful so people can have an understanding about how this works in the nomad space? 
So I'm going to open up my messages actually because of this question, because I don't want to say her name, but there was a gal just like you who actually wrote a profile and wanted to do an introduction. And she presented it in January because I remember this because I was in Germany and I wrote her the Monday before I was going to leave and come back home. So it was like I left and came home on the 22nd of January. And she wrote her profile. And I'm going to be honest with you. I would say that it was written in a way that could very much deter men. It was not written in a way that would attract men. And I could see her spirit. I could see her heart. She just didn't write it very well. And so I reached out to her and I said, hey, would you mind some help with your profile. And I asked some questions. I reshaped her profile within probably like 20 minutes, but there was a couple key things that I was missing. And she took a long time to get back to me. By the time she got back to me, I was on a plane, whatever, fine. Okay, fast forward about three weeks, she decides she's going to hit it. So we're in the middle of probably February. She decides she's going to post a profile. I get a message while I was actually texting with you today And it is, here's the message. Just wanted to update you that I met a wonderful guy on the Nomad Soulmate group, or yeah, what should be in the Nomad Soulmate group. And we are very happily nomading together. And she sent me a photo and it's like got this amazing blue sky behind it. I think they're in a desert. Maybe there's water behind them or what have you. They're on a beach. And it is like literally they're beaming ear to ear. And I am like, oh my gosh, Aileen doesn't know about this yet. And I'm like, she's going to be like just giddy when she gets this. And I can't tell you my response is I am so and I can't tell you how many O's behind it. Happy for you. Because I saw what she was going to post out there. And I know what she ended up posting out there. And that attracted. And one of the things that she said is, thank you. I never thought I'd meet someone so wonderful and compatible on there. And one of the things that kind of reminded her and jogged her memory to actually send me a message was because she saw another gal in someone else's post who met someone in our group and they've been together for two years. And she saw that and she's like, oh, yeah, I need to share with them that I've met this amazing person. I'm now traveling with them. Also, I think it goes without saying, and I'd be remiss if I didn't share this story. So our co-founder, Sebastian actually met someone through Nomad Soulmates. And we were playing around with an app for speed dating. And Aileen went out and crowdsourced some people and pulled in his wife and said, oh, would you help us test this app? And I can't remember at the time where they were, but they were in two totally different countries. And they met in a room in this online dating situation. And now they're married living in Bansko. And they've been married now for an entire year, I think, put together for two, maybe three. So just, I mean, those are just two stories, but we are getting more and more of these stories over and over. And it is so amazing and fun to be a part of and to see. That is an incredible note to end on. Kimberly, at this point, are you ready to move in? To the lightning round. Got a stretch. Got my boxing gloves on. Let's go. Let's do it. The lightning round. What is one book that has significantly impacted you over the years you'd most recommend people check out? I want to say Daring Greatly by Bernie Brown. I am a huge fan of hers. And 
I believe that there's such a power in vulnerability and just the way she speaks and the way she talks and the way she encourages you to really dig deep and dig hard and, and wrestle with just yourself and allow yourself to be free by many of the things that we hold ourselves back. I really, really love her teachings and the way she writes and the stories and books that she has. Okay, if you could have dinner with any one person that you've never met, just you and that person for an evening of dinner and conversation, currently alive today, who would you choose? So this is a really difficult question for me, but I'm actually going to share Peter Kurtz. He is a musician who's a keynote speaker as well. You can find his music on Spotify. And I just took this three-day training and he's learning this methodology that I'm learning. And he showed up and his music is soulful and amazing and are about stories in his life or lives of people he has met. And he writes them personal songs and songs for them. And if you listen to his music, you sit there and go, I want to know the story behind this song. I want to know the story of your life where this came from or the life of the person that this came from. One has a very deep heart, but I think he just is really, really a deep life. All right. If you could go back in time, knowing everything that you know now and give one piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, what would you say to 18-year-old Kimberly? I would tell her to screw everything that she's working on and that what she thinks is the definition of success and get on a plane and go travel the world. That's amazing. All right. What are your top three favorite travel destinations you've ever been to that you would most recommend people check out? I love Spain. I think Spain is amazing and great and a wonderful country. And the next destination I would suggest it's actually just personal for me. And I don't think it's necessarily epic, but it's because in Dresden, I love Dresden. And yet I created a family there. And for whatever reason, I am absolutely in love with Prague. I love Prague and I love going to Prague. And I I could sit in like in Prague and just watch people and the architecture and what have you. And it's because I've traveled Europe, but I would love to be able to start saying other places because I think there are going to be other places as I travel more. Of course there are. That's why we keep traveling, which leads us to the next question, which is what are your top three bucket list destinations? These are places you've never been highest on your list. You most want to see top three. I want to go to Istanbul. I absolutely completely want to go and experience the markets. I want to go to Mexico. I feel that I had such a deep connection with my grandparents and they've been gone for a long time. And I feel like there's something in that journey by going to Mexico and tracing my roots that will be very soulful for me and, and connect me with these people that I love so much that I miss a lot. And so I think that that's going to be a really epic journey for me. And then I want to go to Southeast Asia. Um, I want to understand the culture more. And also Aileen is based out of Bali and I want to experience it not only from her eyes, but from her partner's eyes, who is a local, who takes people on local adventures and takes them deep into the jungle. And I really, truly want to go and experience that with them. 
Amazing answers. All right, Kimberly, I want you to let folks know how they can register for your upcoming event, Finding Love Online Live, and how they can join the Nomad Soulmates Facebook group, how they can get on the list to get the upcoming Nomad Soulmates app as soon as it is out, and how they can connect with you personally and follow you on social media. How do you want people to come into your world? They can register at the event at Finding Love Online dot live. So it's very easy for you to remember. Our Nomad Soulmates Facebook group is under Nomad Soulmates. So you just look for Nomad Soulmates and go to the group. And that is actually going to be the best way to find out about the app when it's coming out and registering for the app, because we will splash it there and what have you. And then for me personally, you can go to KimberlyKohler.com if you want to go there. But if you want to connect one-on-one, I invite anyone to take and follow me on social media. I'm jamming on Clubhouse. So you can find me there under my name at Kimberly Kohler. And my social media, I'm committing to becoming more Instagram friendly. And you can follow me there at Simply Kimberly K. And if you want to send me an email, I am actually open to emails. How old school is that? You can send me an email at Kimberly at nomadsoulmates.com. Awesome. We are going to link all of that up in the show notes. So folks can just go to one place at the maverickshow.com. Just go to the show notes for this episode. And there you're going to see links to everything we talked about on this episode, including all of Kimberly's contact information compiled in one place, themaverickshow.com. Just go to the show notes for this episode. You'll see it there. Kimberly, this was amazing. What a blast this conversation was. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. All right. Good night, everybody. Be sure to visit the show notes page at themaverickshow.com for direct links to all the books, people, and resources mentioned in this episode. You'll find all that and much more at themaverickshow.com. Learn how Maverick Investor Group can help you buy cash-flowing rental properties in the best U.S. real estate markets, regardless of where you live. Schedule a free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com slash consult. Now you can buy rental properties with tenants and local property management in place so you don't have to be a landlord or a rehabber to get your questions answered and discuss how Maverick Investor Group can help you meet your real estate investing goals. Schedule your free phone consult today at themaverickshow.com forward slash consult. If you like podcasts, you will love audiobooks, and you can get your first one for free at themaverickshow.com slash audiobook. Whether you want the latest best-selling novels or books on investing, business, or travel, try your first audiobook for free at themaverickshow.com forward slash audiobook.